marketers too shoot ourselves in our own feet by trying to wrap things up in perfect little bows. I'm Margaret Kelsey. I am Devin Bramhall. And this is Don't Say Content, created and produced in partnership with Share Your Genius. Huge shout out to our producers at Share Your Genius. Thank you so much. Thank you for believing in us early on, supporting and making this podcast come to life. And if you, dear listeners, are thinking about bringing an idea or your brand to life and scaling it, I'd recommend having a quick little convo with our favorite people at Share Your Genius. I was on my computer for 12 hours on Sunday. Did it feel like play, Devin? Yeah, it was fun. Okay. It was fun. I'm just like getting to that point where I've created so many things. Yeah. I've started obsessing over how it does and I forgot to play. Like I've gotten – like I was playing and then now I'm not playing. Yep. And this is the story of my life. This is how I ruin everything. I try to optimize it and make it big and a thing and I can't just let it go. Well, it's funny because it's the whole idea of like the reason that you started it is to have fun and to play. And that's like why like the self-sabotaging bit. But we're not talking about the negative aspects of anything right now. We're talking about creativity and play. Yeah. I'm keeping it positive. No, yeah. I mean, I don't even think it's a negative. And I think it's an important thing to note, not because it's a negative thing, but it's sort of a byproduct of the way play shows up in marketing because it has that foundation in performance. And so, and everything's a business. Every creative thing ends up being a business in some way. And so it's just being able to recognize it and say, oh no, now's not the time. Go back to playing, especially in the early phases, right? You just want to be all play. It reminded me of this idea that innovation tends to start off looking like toys. Okay. So I just Googled it. And the first thing that came up was this medium article between toy theory and disruptive innovation why you should be in the toy business it looks like he's quoting samuel altman and chris dixon but should be quoting tom hanks in big as he (laughs) glides down the piano at the toy store that's all you need just or tom hanks in toy story oh but he was kind of a curmudge in that one i don't think he played a lot in that he's telling buzz that it's he's a toy He's a toy. Just be a toy. Uh, be a toy. You don't get to be a really serious spaceman. You're a child's plaything. You're a toy. Yes. Well, I've had a revelation this week while I played. Yes. So I got my career started in storytelling, like quite literally standing on a stage in real life. I know, shocker. No one can believe that anymore. And telling a first person story storytelling competitions and the competition was just to make sure people were succinct it was allowed them to have rules so people didn't just get up and like you had to be polished you had to be good yeah that was like a great passion for me and I thought oh I'm a storyteller I've always loved writing blah 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 so I do that and then I get into my marketing career and then I blow my marketing career (laughs) career out and I become a CEO and then I quit I spend months trying to figure out what where am I supposed to go next. Mm. And what I've recently been reminded of is that the thing that I loved got me to where I am, but where I am doesn't look anything like the thing that got me here. And it feels like this come full circle moment where I'm like, oh, I just need to go back to telling stories. And 
I discovered that while I was playing with an experiment that we are running for the podcast. So we said, huh, I wonder if we should, we have all these video clips. I wonder if we should explore YouTube, invest in YouTube more, see if it can be a source of audience building or at least become a platform for us. And then same with TikTok. The TikTok thing was mostly just because I've been wanting to play around with it, but like didn't have an excuse. So while I was doing ours, I thought, oh, I can play around a little bit more if I use mine. So I did the natural first thing, which was post a bunch of thirsty pics of me. I was like, thirst trap, get me some follower. Did it work? (laughs) Yes. You heard it here first, y'all. Thirst traps still work. Marketing oh, strategy yeah. 101. <laughs> yes. Women sell. And then I started doing my next thirst trap, which was my dog, which also worked. But what I realized is I was looking, I was talking with this woman who's a comedian and writer, and she really wanted to work with us to develop more shows and stuff. And I had to send her material for Don't Say Content. And I kind of snuck in. I said, hey, I really wanted to translate some of my old stories into video series, a series of shorts. And I don't know how to do it. And so I was compiling old live stories that I told. I have the written version. And I was like, it was like I got goosebumps again because I, that was something I had so much fun with. And all of a sudden I had all these ideas. And I was like, wait, I could do the whole, this whole thing, like tips from my mom And there's the stories, there's like things and all these conversations I have with other marketers that I love, I could just record them and use them as clips. Like I started to feel this like abundance of content Mm. and ideas and things I could play with. And I don't have any idea how it's going to make me any money. I have not done anything to get any new business because I'm so excited by this thing that catalyzed me in the first place. And I'm trying for as long as humanly possible to keep that going so I can see what's possible. So, Devin, while you were talking, it really reminded me of... So Julie Louis-Dreyfus has a new podcast, and she interviewed Jane Fonda, who's making her rounds right now, doing a lot of stuff. I feel like I've been listening to a lot of Jane Fonda life stories and content and like advice, and she's just amazing. And she was talking about this quote that I've always loved. And it was just so nice for it to bubble back up. But it's this quote by T.S. Eliot saying, at the end of our exploring, we'll arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Mm. And I think it's this really interesting, gradual coming back to ourselves, our truth, our, I don't know, what made us tick, what made us feel prolific as children and young adults. And I'm having the same experience with my artwork. I'm doing the same thing where it's like I'm exploring and it's tickling. It's literally itching my brain at the exact perfect spot where I cannot stop myself from being prolific with it. I can't turn it off. I get frustrated if I like can't do it. It requires the sun. So if it's a sunny day and I'm like not doing it, I get a little itchy because I'm like, oh, I'm wasting like my ability to do it. And it's really, it's that feeling of abundance that you're, you're talking about where it just clicks and all of a sudden there's too many ideas instead of like trying to scrap ideas together. Yeah. I was just talking with that small marketing group that I'm in. One of the things that came up was this idea of 
launching something new and having all the, like having too many ideas and, mm-hmm. and getting very excited about all of them. And then what's that process for narrowing them down? And I feel like most of my marketing career was focused on narrowing it down. I was running a team. I was running a program. I had to be the one that organized all the things. And what's really cool about now is I think you're experiencing this too, is I'm the chaos and it's fine because the only person it's impacting is me (laughs) and me (laughs) a little. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Kind of. And and then there was another thing that came up around that. This was fascinating um, around feeling like in a funk Mm. and how the problem that was underneath it required reactive motion. They were talking about it. And I thought to myself, gosh, I finally said, I was like, it could be that you're bored by being reactive. Like there's an opportunity here. How can you reframe this to have a, have proactive react, be proactive about the cause here versus reactive. I think that is a big driver of boredom, maybe Mm. burnout. Yeah. Yeah. Like you need to play. I do think that that's the constant tension between start there's a there's a unique tension in startup that has to do with if they fundraising and they have to hit these milestones then there's another one at bigger companies that you know that there's all sorts of chaos there so you've got these creative people who are trying to achieve a business goal using creativity, psychology, human behavior, human interaction on a timeline. And like, we wonder why we get bored and burnt out. Yeah. Because the process of it is not linear in the way of like, oh, I'm going to sit at my computer and solve this. I was talking to a founder the other day who they have a CTO that when that CTO is stuck, will go out for a run to solve the problem, right? The super technical problem. And they're a small enough team and tight-knit enough and trust each other enough that they encourage the CTO to do this, especially when, you know, they're on a call with him and he's stuck. And I said to them, how nice to be supported because even though I know that my best ideas happen in like an afternoon shower, work from home life, like the best thing in the world is like the afternoon work from home shower, I think is like peak experience because you're, you're like thinking about work stuff you like go into the like shower, you have shower thoughts, but it's like work thoughts. There's like sunlight happening. I don't know. I just think like that is peak remote experience is like an afternoon shower. But I know that I what if I go for a walk, I have better ideas. If I take a shower, I have better ideas. But there's so much, especially in startups of this, like, we need to solve it now, where you feel almost tethered to the circumstance you're in or the, you know, the, I don't know, technology that you're attached to, even though you know in your heart of hearts that like, like breaking away from that and having a new experience will actually give you the, probably the insight that you need. And it's so, I haven't figured out what our hesitation is there yet, but there is something that's just like, we, I always get it wrong. So I was like, how lovely that your team knows enough about you know, self-awareness, but also team awareness that you're like, go for a run so you can go solve that problem. Yeah. I, I wonder whether the rush that we all end up being in at work, in particular at startups, because it literally becomes a race, mm-hmm. that it puts us in this reactive mode. We're constantly reacting, hurrying, and we come up with ideas and we execute them and some of them work. I wonder 
if we were just taking more walks or like sitting around doing less, if that would lead us to more efficient ideas. But here's the rub. I don't know how to create a work situation that enables that without making people lazy. Yeah. Because it was also for me, the pressure to do something like I got really active again because we had the season two launch and we were starting stuff and I was like, got to Got to get going, you know? And then that led to more ideas. Blah, 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 but like where does sitting back and absorbing, where is that that the seed is germinating underground? And where is it that you just don't have a seed anywhere and you're just like, it's, I don't know what the metaphor there is. But like, I understand that. But I do, I fundamentally believe in this idea of cyclical growth, which is you can't always be on and you can't always have the ideas in the same, you know, like, but then at the same time, I believe that like inspiration happens and finds you when you're working, right? So it's like, sometimes you got to be doing the work. I've seen both where I, you need a break in order to be creative. And then I need, I see the other thing. And I know Jay Akunzo says this all the time, which is like, you show up, you have the practice, and then sometimes you can be creative. Yeah. And that's actually interesting because it's something that I wrestle with as my own personality trait, because I'm not a show up every day routine person like I can't get myself to show up every day with a challenge or a whatever like I, I fail miserably at all of those like 30 day whatever it's like a 100 day painting challenge or art challenge failed that miserably like I'm not that type of person but I also know that I'm I don't know creative and capable in other ways and I can't quite figure that one out yeah my the closest I came to some kind of, I don't know, formula was my boss at Help Scout, Sunit. Two things he did that I think really supported me creatively. Ahrefs taught me SEO. It no. was our infrastructure at Animals. Yeah. Like that yeah. was part of our like tech stack and everybody at the company used it. And I just remember growing up at startups and nobody was ever there to teach you your job. And you had to learn a lot along the way. Help Scout was where I really had to get my shit together with SEO strategy. And I was like, what do I do? And one of our growth marketers walked me through Ahrefs. The UI looks like it's a lot, but then you go yeah. and start using it and it's like all logic. It's all logic. Like it's all marketing logic, the way it works. And so you're kind of like, oh, you're just like giving me all the answers. And it's also the fact, the reason that I feel like it feels like that is because it is so powerful. Like you literally have access to information that I had no idea that I could actually access. Competitors, keywords, how they're ranking, like absolutely powerful stuff in order to understand how your content and brand programs are. So Ahrefs, thank you so much for not only a fantastic product, but also sponsoring season two. Yes. And also helping me achieve my first big objective at Help Scout. It was pretty important and aggressive and it kept me in my job a little bit longer. So So thank you for Devin's salary back then. Ahrefs. Don't say Ahrefs. Say Don't say Ahrefs. Don't say Ahrefs. Say Ahrefs. 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 One, he said, one time he's like, listen, Devin, you get more done by like Wednesday or Tuesday than any 
person can reasonably accomplish in a week. If you need to just fade away on Fridays, just, he's like, go for it. You already squeezed the life out of yourself. Like, I don't need He's like, I can't even review all this shit that you've given me by Wednesday. I actually need, it was probably for him to be able to have a day without you. He's like, can you relax? I'm like, we'll see. And that was really helpful for me because it's true. Sometimes I did have these really intense weeks and I did... And so I could, t- I could know that Fridays were an option for me. He's like, just send me a Slack message, say I'm out and I'll understand. The second thing he did was he sent me to South by Southwest. Hmm. This was 2018, I believe. And no, it was earlier. I think it was 2017, but he sent me there and he said, your only job there is to have ideas. We were about to embark on this really big project that I had like, we dreamed up and while I was there, Sunit got approval for it. It's like something we've been working on forever, actually. And it was all centered on community. This has been my, I forget sometimes this has been my like battle cry forever. So I go to South by Southwest and I just have a great time. I talk to tons of people. I meet tons of, you know, and it all came together, right? I wrote this like really cool Slack post after bringing it all together for the team and I think that was really kind of a lean in moment where it's like, maybe it isn't about routine when it comes Mm. to those. It's like, it has to be ad hoc and you probably need help. I think you have to bump up against other things. I think that's Mm. what I'm noticing is that I am most creative when I bump against interesting people, new experiences, like when I can get my brain to put those things together. And I think that's why the shower thoughts are so insightful or the running is so insightful is because if you go off without a direct path of problem solving in your brain and you just let the, some things jumble around in there, then sometimes they pair up in in the ways that give you something insightful. But definitely whenever I feel stuck or burnt out or like low energy, it's usually because I haven't bumped into interesting people and ideas enough or new experiences or whatever it is. I haven't been able to break out of the routine. I'm leaning towards I'm a non-routine person where I like can't show up and have creativity find me when I'm working because I just need to I don't know, have external external inputs for my own creativity. But I wonder if there's like different types of people. I was just going to say, or actually not different types of people, but what if instead of thinking about it as what is this the ideal scenario or the ideal thing, maybe we're just thinking about it wrong. And maybe it's that there are multiple paths to unlocking your creativity. Sometimes it involves not being creative for a while. Mm. Cause I've gone through those moments too, where I just, when I quit animals, I just went out and had fun. And then sometimes it's bumping up against something. Sometimes it's going for a run. Sometimes, sometimes it's sitting down and forcing yourself. And I've definitely done that. I did it today. Actually, I had on my list that I was going to write this thing and I wasn't, I was tired. I've put a, a lot of creative energy out into the world which also zaps my energy a little bit because I feel very exposed right now because I'm putting it out there at the same Mm. time. And I had to write this thing. I just did it. I said, this is the time I'm going to do it. And I can't take my afternoon shower until I do it. And I really wanted to shower because I'd done yoga 
And I'd done advice, like I do one advising where I walk with her, like I walk mm. and talk on the phone with her. And so that worked too. And it's like the idea creation versus the actual doing. Yeah. I don't know. And sometimes idea creation happens in the doing. I keep thinking about my art right now and how there are some rabbit holes that I go down that don't work. And there's some that cause this really interesting thing. Like I was doing completely other different types of like images and motifs in my cyanotypes. And then all of a sudden my practically sister-in-law, not technically sister-in-law, but like Maddie, get on it. She was wanting me to do something for their house in Salem and the Salem and they have some Airbnb guests. So it wanted, she wanted it to be kind of chic, but a little witchy, but like not too witchy. And so I went down this like, oh, it would be cool if there was like hands holding things. Cause it could be like, I don't know, slightly adjacent to witchy stuff, including like a candle. Um, and it worked so well that now that's like the motif that I'm down this rabbit hole is like hands holding things and like the meanings behind them. And I wouldn't have had that. Like I bounced off of her and had that idea. And then I went down this like rabbit hole where the continued exploration of this creative idea is by myself. Right. And I'm like, like showing up and practicing and finding these rabbit holes. But like I needed that initial serendipitous bump of creativity in order to go down this rabbit hole. How do you recognize a creative flow for yourself? I don't know. Like, I don't know how it feels to like, for it to be on the horizon. I think that's me actually showing up to get into it. And then how it feels when I'm in it is like the most glorious lack of my brain doing what it normally does. Like it just switches into a different I don't know if it's a different frequency a different wavelength there's this I think this Greek word about kairos instead of chronos like chronos is the time that you measure on a watch and kairos is like God's time or like this idea that like limitless and when you're in that state of flow you're feeling kairos instead of chronos I'm totally like that where like hours can go by and you almost can't stop yourself from doing a little bit more or staying in that moment um, that's been me yeah that's that you're that, in gyros. you're just like flowing I just I literally last night so I got on the phone I was like I have to go to bed like it's 11 something and then there was like a real quick thing I needed to do on YouTube or wanted to do on YouTube and then I got into it again and I literally had to force myself to close the computer so I could go to sleep yeah. and mm. that led me to getting less sleep which is probably why I was so tired and cranky today I was like Ugh. but yeah I stopped bringing my phone around with me when I walk Henry mm. And I don't use headphones that much anymore when I'm walking around, even by myself. And sometimes just being out and standing somewhere all of a sudden, running was definitely another one for me, you know, physically moving. I also read fiction. Mm. This is, I was telling someone recently, I was like, I just need you to know I haven't read your business book. I haven't read any business book. Whatever you're about to say to me, I haven't read it. I read like to me, Devin, because we've literally had this conversation. (laughs) I have like every business book ever written and I have probably read them all. Yeah. I get a lot of my ideas from even sometimes around like business strategy and people management. I've gotten it from reading and it's not like I read a thing and then take it's not A to B, right? Yeah triggers a thought it's like oh what's the theme behind this and how is that theme applicable in other places in my life and then yeah I understand how you get there in the last month I'm getting reacquainted with fiction 
And I feel like I've had a departure because I've been so focused on business slash self-help books, <laughs> like any kind of like pop psychology yeah. book, you know, like Malcolm Gladwell and Daniel Pink and like, oh my gosh, like just pour that into my brain. The last month had been reacquainted with fiction and I completely understand what you mean because it, I read this book and it like broke open my, it like broke open my understanding of human depth and emotion in a place that I thought I was doing with these like psychology, pop psychology books. It was like a more pure distillation of the truth of human complexities than these these like more sober books were. So I completely get it. And I feel like I was the opposite where I'm like, oh my God, give me all the logic, the facts, the scientific studies behind it. And then I just read a really good fiction book and I was like, oh, yeah. art. Art, man. Hey, Devin, do you know what the best part about our show is? <gasps> Tell me. We make so many new best friends that hang out with us every week. It's kind of weird that we don't see them hanging out with us every week, but we really, really appreciate the folks that do. And so if you want to be in our lives and us in your ears on a weekly basis, I want you to go and find that subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast. And let's be friends forever. And please rate and review because it really helps support the show. We love you bunches. You just made me think of something around how sometimes immersion can lead to a loss of creativity. And I was thinking about the podcast and how there's something around newness. Hmm. And it feels like I'm about to talk about a romantic relationship too, because I feel like this mirrors that experience where there's the newness factor, you're really enthusiastic and invested and excited. And then it's that whole idea that you have to continue committing over time the longer you're together. And that does take some brute force sometimes on that behalf of both of you. And I, I think about that with don't say content, where am I going to get bored? Hmm. Like once I master something, I usually get bored of it. And then those times, remember in the beginning when I was like, we need to have like these segments. It needs to be this. It needs to be that. And everybody was like, I remember Jay being like, I don't care about any of it. Just you guys are great. Like, you know, we wanted it to be so weird that we were trying to over engineer it to be weird, not understanding that like the, the banter and relationship between us is enough uniqueness. And our, our past experiences together separately, the whole thing, it's, yeah, once it gets to a certain point, there's something that tends to trigger in me that I need to do more. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because I get bored with it because I keep seeing it over, not bored, but I, I worry that it's boring because it now looks so familiar to me. And it's almost like if you're a pop band or any band, Whatever the song is that becomes most popular is usually one you hate the most. I know. I don't, I don't, um, like, I don't envy pop singers that I would think about that a lot where I'm like, oh my God, I've heard the song on the radio a million times and this person has to play that song for the rest of their lives. Oh I get to God. just like change the channel if I'm sick of it. Like that person's livelihood is playing that song. Do you want to know something completely bonkers? And then I promise I will get back to this thought. There's one last piece that I think is important. Yeah. But in the meantime, when I was a child, I had a big imagination. 
Piesa does Don't not believe it. Don't believe it. Yes. And I I loved Whitney Houston. Mm. I want to dance with somebody cassette tape. Oh. That's all you had back then. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. I listened to it over and over, but I felt bad sometimes because I thought when I put that tape in and pressed play, it meant she had to go to the studio <laughs> and sing it for me. And then I was like, how does that happen? How is she able to do that? And then I'm like, so I kind of, and it was one of those things where I was reasoning myself out of it, but still believe that that was actually what was going on. Yeah. And I would not always play her music for a while because I was, I felt bad for her because I listened <laughs> like, to her give so much. Break. She seems pretty tired today. That last note wasn't really, wasn't really her best. Ridiculous. Oh. But childhood thoughts are hysterical. They're insane. I have so many. But the last piece about this repetition thing and get it in, you know, your own either perception of boredom, especially as it relates to podcasts, the thing I love about the podcast that I listen to every day is the consistency. Mm-hmm. And one example is Pivot. I I love Scott Galloway and Kara Swisher together, and they always talk about things that are interesting to me because they're talking about social platforms and tech, et cetera. And sometimes if Scott's not there, they'll have these rotating guests in. I can't get through the episode. Hmm. It's one tiny break. It doesn't work for me. And so it's like a cre- It's like a worry that I realize isn't a thing and doesn't need to be a thing. And think about TikTok accounts, for example. They're usually, they usually have a rotating thing or a couple, you know, one or two yeah, things. Yeah, a bit. Yeah. A bit. I'm exploring the same thing, again, bringing back to artwork, where – I was trying to over engineer some pieces and I was trying to like fit too much into them because I was worried that the simplistic versions of them wouldn't be special or interesting enough. And once I, I don't know, kicked myself in the butt and really started to allow myself to edit it down, I feel like they're so much more successful. And I was just trying to over engineer it. I'm, so I'm actually taking painting classes at the Museum of Fine Arts every Monday I did that too. Um, I took the Monday class like so 20 good. years ago. Yeah. Probably more actually because I think I was like 17 or 18. So yeah. It was at the adult class like with the – were you with a bunch of retirees like like I am? Yeah. But mine oh was God. at night. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm 10.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. I am in primetime retiree mode. I am like hanging out. There's this one lady that brings us like baked goods once a week. Another guy brings a sack of oranges for people to bring on their like car ride home for a snack. Like I need to up my potluck game at that class because everyone's really taking care of each other in that class. I love that. But side note, so that was the reason I'm telling you the story is that the professor of that painting class, I was showing him some of my other work, which was not painting, but these cyanotypes. And that was his, his advice. He was like, you're just, it's done. Like it's literally, don't do anything else to it. Don't touch it. <laughs> He's like, if you want to do something, do something very, like you're done. Like that's, yeah. that, I feel like when I want something to be really, really great, this is probably the shipper and polisher spectrum that we were talking about earlier in the season. I'm not even polishing it. I'm like adding to it instead of like, editing it and refining it. I'm like not even polishing. I'm like shoving shit in. <laughs> she needs a banana. I'm engineer. Yeah. Can I tell you that when I took said art class, it was a drawing class at the Museum of Fine Arts School. We were drawing figures and I, w- I had a hard time 
I don't have an art background. I was trying to get into it and I was too, I was being too literal too early on. You know how mm. they're like, you should, you kind of sketch it out first. And I was really struggling. Like the teacher had a lot of feedback for me. <laughs> and was it live it was models or was it live nude yeah. models? Yep. My favorite Which, classes. Yeah. But then one day there were two models at the same time. And for some reason, I was like, this is going to be so hard. And it was like this really old, wrinkly guy. They're always in the interesting place. bodies. Yeah. I feel like the models always have interesting bodies. Yeah. And I'm not criticizing. I just have to describe what it yeah. is for it to make sense. Yeah. So it's like, not like, well, I, yeah, I think for anyone that hasn't done a live like drawing class with a nude model, I do think this is an important part. It's very rarely a like hot body. Yeah. <laughs> it is usually uh, like an interesting figure, right? Like it's usually that there are some uh, human attributes to it to make it interesting and worthy of worthy of drawing. So, right. Conventional hot. Conventional hot. Yeah, like Anyone not like porn star hot. hot. Yeah. yeah. I'm saying it's not like, you know. It's funny because like We've had our bodies talked about our whole lives without choice and probably violated more than once. And it's like, now I feel too self-conscious to talk about my own. I'm like, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> like, is this okay? I don't know. What should I say? Like, is um, But so but, the two people were... So the two people contrasting this, like, young yeah. woman and this, like, you know, older gentleman who had more weathered look to him. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, like, that was the time I finally drew something semi-decent. Yeah. I could, I can completely understand. It's, like, almost – it's the the contrast that gave you the visual language to be able to figure it out. But actually, this – what you just talked about is, like, play can be a way of getting yourself out of the over-engineering. Yeah. Because if you're playing, it's this whole concept of, oh, my God – I'm gonna quote a business book. Ah, yay! She's doing it. <laughs> Everyone, listen in. It's gonna be the best business if Devin's quoting it. I mean, she actually read it. I did. Well, I read enough to understand the Cliff basic notes. premise. Yeah, I basically read like thirty pages. But everything in a business book is in the first thirty pages. True. It is a concept of finite and infinite games, mm. and how. Basically, from the business standpoint, you should be playing an infinite game, right? It's a game that is intended to continue being played in perpetuity. And a finite game is one with an end, obviously. And it sounds like when you're thinking about a piece of art as something you need to finish, it puts you in a mindset of, like, completion. Whereas mm -hmm. if you remind in the infinite mindset, you're just finished for now. And then you can feel free to walk away and whatever say it's in which allows you the time away from it to come back and see it differently. Yes, but with me, it's like the piece, I can say, oh, that actually is complete and feel completion with it, knowing that I'm moving on to a new piece. It's whenever I'm too precious that I'm going to only create one or I haven't been creating a lot recently. It's like when I'm prolific, I'm so much more able to have something that I call complete because I'm moving on to the next one. If I have no next one to move on to, I get really focused on that thing and making it done. That's interesting. I think I've been that way about writing too. 
sometimes if I have to post on LinkedIn, like I love LinkedIn. I have a blast. I like that. It's like my pseudo blog, but sometimes, you know, I feel it feels burdensome. And I wonder if it's similar to that is every post feels like the only post I'm ever going to write. I coached a founder on this a couple weeks ago where he was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, start building my personal brand on LinkedIn. I'm going to post, uh, I forget what he said, one time a week, two times a week. And I was like, no, post every day or or it's not going to happen. Build it into a practice where you're always thinking about what's the next thing I'm going to post. What's two things from now I'm going to post. And then the post today doesn't feel as scary or big because you know that you have more experiments on the horizon. You just reminded me of this post I've been trying to re- write for five years and it never had a point. So it's called ideas are ugly and it's was inspired by this IBM commercial that makes me cry. I've shown too many people this commercial and it makes <laughs> me cry every time it's embarrassing. And it's about this little goober. I'm going to use the word monster because it's the way it's depicted. I don't know what it's supposed to be. It's a little monster guy. And he's like, not conventionally attractive based on the math and science of a conventionally attractive monster. <laughs> and I it goes love like being everybody... so PC about it. You're like, all monsters are beautiful. This yeah. one was not conventionally attractive. <laughs> like there's going to be this like crowd of monsters coming out of me. <laughs> the monsters are going to cancel you. <sighs> oh my gosh. That's going to be some shedding from my past life. <laughs> anyway, he goes through life and everybody's mean to him. And then he stumbles upon IBM and they welcome him inside and he starts to turn all these beautiful colors and he's nourished. Basically, it's a post about creativity. It's a post about having ideas. And I have all these things I've read from multiple fiction books. So many quotes in there. And it's never turned into anything. I've tried multiple times to turn it into something with direction and with outcomes. And I've never, as long as it was, there were takeaways, the piece never came together. Yeah. And it's so funny because I feel like if I finally write this blog post or I probably won't even end up being a post, I'll probably end up performing it. If I can finish this and have a reason for it. Okay. It's a little meta, but what if there doesn't have to be takeaways a solution an ending what if it's just like come and live in this place of creativity and expansiveness with me for the for the time in which this piece takes you and then walk through the world with the memory of the fact that you lived in that place does there have to be like a action-oriented process to then it's like some of it is just like come come live with me here see this for a minute let's be on the same I don't know let's be shoulder to shoulder looking at the same thing for a minute and that can be connection like the creos what was the other kairos kairos yeah chronos and kairos yeah come live in kairos with me for a minute and that's maybe the piece is just like and and knowing that that exists and experience experiencing it together Well, when we were trying to think about what we were going to talk about for this episode, I was tired. You were grasping at straws. And finally, you said, what about play? You know, and you're like, Devin, your face actually changed. You Mm -hmm. you suddenly were excited because I I was a little tired. I've been in the grind. And that's kind of a perfect example. This episode is just us living in a moment of play 
and talking about it without and there's no takeaways right like oh what are the takeaways I don't know that creativity exists that like you should live here and it's okay for it to be messy and gross oh I'm not I'm doing takeaways no I didn't mean to no takeaways it's interesting too that like there's permission to do that on video but if you were to write a piece yeah in the world of marketing that we operate in which is naturally what I what I did so I have this piece it's all these notes I didn't even care where it went but I was like yeah. well if I write this it has to have structure and takeaway and, you know, a point. It has to have a point. And I'm like, but what you're saying is basically, does it? Does it? I don't and, know. And, and everything is so just outcome oriented. I think like, you know, the way search works, the way algorithm works, it's always, everything ends up being for a purpose so you can get found and discovered. And it's like, what if I just made something that was nice to experience? That's our podcast, Evan. It was literally just like, I don't know, I want to have more calls with you because when I have calls with you, I like it. I like when I walk away from it. I like the hour that I spend with you when we do this. And why don't we see if that's a place that we can play without feeling like there's just millions of outcomes that need to happen? And I think there's actually some science behind it, bringing back the Malcolm Gladwell. I... Um, watched his master class, Malcolm Gladwell's master class. Right. And the thing that he talks about um, is that it's a, it's our human tendency when we're writing um, to wrap things up in pretty little bows. Yeah. But when you wrap things up in pretty little bows, your brain will forget about it. Your brain will ruminate on open-ended questions, things that are not fully solved. That's why everyone loves, you know, murder mystery podcasts. Your brain goes back to it because you're trying to solve the problem. And if we, we, I think marketers too, shoot ourselves in our own feet by trying to wrap things up in perfect little bows. Here are the three solutions to your problem. Now you never have to think about it again. Well, then now I just walk away saying, oh, there's a solution to my problems and it's solved. And now I can go on and, and live my life rather than like if you're trying to really actually stick in people's brains, you can just have an open-ended question or not perfectly wrap it up. He says he does, does that at the end of his chapters and even the end of his book says he specifically doesn't close the loop. So that way, if you put down the book, you're just thinking about it still. And I think that's a really interesting, also sneaky hack to like noodle into people's brains. Just like, don't give a takeaway. Don't have a point. Don't perfectly tie it up in a bow. This feels very motivating to me <laughs> also i'm just putting this out there yeah. just gonna put it out there minus malcolm gladwell yes wouldn't you say that that is a theme among most business books that they have a tie at the end yeah in a little bow hence you don't need to read them <laughs> Yeah. You know what I use? I use Blinkist and they'll summarize it for me and I forget everything because it's not that important. Most people make business books just to sell their own brand, not because they're like true. But anyway, I'm just saying what Caution. you just said really supports my thing for not reading business books. And I'm super happy about it. It's like the more we try to have answers, right? Yeah. And it's like, that's the problem is that we're all running around feeling like we don't know what to do and we don't have answers. And so our knee-jerk reaction is to establish an answer and we're really doing it for our own comfort when really there probably isn't one. This is 
you know the whole thing how when you're advising i'm sure this happens to you too where everything is like well it depends yeah most interview questions, I'm like, it depends. You're asking the wrong question. Like, you should yeah. ask a deeper question. You haven't given me enough data points in order for me to make a, a smart decision about this thing. Right. <laughs> and depends. that's the point. It's like, we all just want to have an answer for things. We're really, there's multiple answers to one thing. And that's fine. But we just are mentally geared towards putting it, it's a box. Yep. The box is what I do with the box. But what you're saying is, no, leave the answer open. Yeah. Keep pondering. I think it's, um, there's this Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Where it's a cognitive bias where the less good you are at something, you over inflate your capabilities in that thing, right? And then it's like, as you start to learn more about it, you realize how much you don't know about it. I think I'm in like that Dunning-Kruger part of my life (laughs) where I'm like, I used to really think I had everything figured out. And now I'm like right at that point where I'm like looking at how much unknown unknowns there are and like how much I haven't figured out and being like, oh, crap. Like, I think it's okay to just sit in this messy middle and not wrap it up and continue to explore and continue to edit and continue to refine and continue to take rabbit holes. And I told a founder this earlier today. I'm in like the play phase of my career. I just want to play. Yeah. Just want to play. I'm going to tell a childhood story of like the silly childhood things that you think. I literally thought back then I had some, I don't know, I had some thought that like everything had been figured out in the world. I literally as a child believed that we knew as much as we were going to know about science, the solar system, the universe. (laughs) Like, I really was pretty sure that we have figured out everything. It's a little bit like the Truman Show where he's wanting to be an explorer and the teacher, like, pulls down the map and is like, oh, everything's been found. Like, you don't have to go and explore because, like, they already did it. I, for some reason, had that thought process as a child to the point where, like, even, like, science fairs were hard for me because I'm like, why are we, like, why do I need to do a science fair project if, like, everything has been figured out before? And that, to me, I feel like was a, a gradual unlearning, gradual and then all at once. It was gradual through my life until I would say about a year ago when it just all of a sudden dawned on me that everything is made up. Yeah. And everything's made up just because somebody made it up. Like literally like that. I don't know. I like walked around looking like I probably was was having conversations that seemed insane to other people where I would be like that building is that color because somebody just decided to make it that color that road exists because somebody decided to put a road there like it literally is all made up because somebody just made it up and it was freeing to me to then be like oh I can make it up I can make it all up anything up you can make anything up I feel like there are more childhood stories. One of mine, this is completely unrelated, but you got me down this track. I love childhood stories. Like how, I know. just how. I had two actually additional besides that Whitney Houston was really tired because of me. <laughs> Poor Whitney. I know. I loved her so much. So I used to really, when I was a young child, like sub eight, I really hated trees because we lived in kind of a, you know, we lived on land. So my parents were caretakers on this woman's estate. So we lived in this like tiny little college, but we got cottage, cottage. And 
but there was she lived on 50 acre estate and so they were young and poor couldn't and when we would there would be a thunderstorm or it was a blustery day I would be scared because the wind scared me it like Mm. created all this energy things were moving around a lot yeah and I thought the origin point of wind were the trees because they were blowing in it yeah and I'm like well they contribute they're part of the wheel but like they are not the origin story. It's not like a tree is like, okay, wind, I'm going to make you. <laughs> so I used to get so, I would literally call time and be like, stop, like, don't do that anymore. That's so funny. Everett will yell at wind and sunlight when it bothers him. When he gets really frustrated with it, he's like, yeah, he's like, stop. Like, like the, I'll be driving and, you know, turn and a sunbeam hits his face and he's like, ah, <laughs> like, stop it. I'm like, oh, sorry for the sun. Yeah, traveled thousands of miles, more than thousands of miles to reach your eyeball and just to piss you off. Um, I used to to be a super, I don't know, I had a lot lot of ennui as a kid. Um, And I remember staring out of the back. I was probably, this is maybe an embarrassing story. I don't know, whatever. Um, You know, maybe like first, second grade. And I was, it was like, like dusk and kind of rainy and I was feeling so many emotions and I would like stare out the back of the window in this way that I was thinking that all of the cars that were passing were probably thinking about how tortured my like this young person's soul was like I was just thinking about like maybe they think I'm in love maybe they think I'm ex- I don't know it's like would specifically look out of the the car's back window hoping that somebody saw how deeply complex I was <laughs> and the emotions I was feeling like first grade oh yeah I used to also I know this is a this is probably a look I'll get cut out I was so boy crazy when I was younger so boy crazy that I remember I learned that um yawns were contagious and so I used to go to church and it was like this like round like everyone kind of sat in like a semicircle around it wasn't like a square it was like more of a anyways a half um, circle one might say half circle sure yeah and um <laughs> my crush's family used to sit on like the other side of the semicircle and I literally as soon as I learned that I would go and I would fake yawn to see if he was looking at me to see if he yawned and then you're a I clever also, young girl I know I also remember wondering if it was more impressive because I didn't know how to read yet I was wondering if it was more impressive to sing the church songs by heart because I knew them or if it was more impressive to open up the hymnal and pretend I knew how to read the words in the hymnal (laughs) Margaret I know do I make do I make so much more sense to you now (laughs) so much also I feel seen because I similarly had like I was, uh, my mom said that on my ninth birthday, I sobbed because I was, I was like, I'm turning double digits. What am I going to do with my life? (laughs) Also, I was a little bit boy crazy too. I was a bit shy, but apparently not when I was in kindergarten because I chased Francis Kim, who was my best friend around (laughs) the the kindergarten trying to kiss him (laughs) which feels like so that does not age well but and I finally like kissed him on the head or something and I got in trouble 
I, for being so boy crazy, I didn't have my first kiss until eighth grade. Yeah. Yeah, but like not even a kiss on the playground. Not even a kiss on the head because I not even a kiss on the head on playground at the the playground. Wow, I know. I I think mine was around then too. Ben Barnes. You want to know what else? I believed (laughs) my parents both wore contact lenses Mm -hmm. every night and every morning. Contact lens out and in, and I used to watch them do it, and I was like, man, I hope I never grow up. Because grownups have to put contact lenses in, and that looks horrible. Like, just because my parents did it, I yeah. thought everybody, you reach a certain age, yeah. and then you have to put these, like, things in your eyes. Yeah. You're like, that sounds awful. Yeah. I used to be oh. so overwhelmed of the idea of, like, how much, I mean, I still am, but I used to be like, I will never be able to understand all of the different things you have to do as an adult because you just like, I would just like, as you're growing up, you just learn a new thing. Like, oh my God, there's what? Mortgages? Homeowner insurance? Like, I was just like, how, when does it end? And that, I still feel that way, honestly. I'm just yeah, like, didn't know about that. Starting an LLC and paying your taxes and now registering as an S Corp and all of the I'm like, that's a lot. It is a lot. My sister and I were sort of the opposite where one day we wanted to make cookies or something and we had to melt some butter and we had these like wax plasticky bowls Mm. and we obviously hadn't taken chemistry yet. And I think that's the right one, right? Chemistry. Anyway, it doesn't matter. If it's warming it up, it would be physics, I think. Physics. (laughs) We didn't science yet. Yeah, we hadn't science And so we were like, put it in the toaster oven mm. to melt. And then the thing melted. And then there was like, a, it wasn't like a Plastic big fire, melted. but there was like smoke and bad smells. Yeah. My sister and I, our, our solution was to scream loudly and run out of the house, <laughs> leaving it in and burning to go Rather across the street. <laughs> okay. Similar story. Remember those like creepy crawlers that you would make? Do you remember? It was like almost like um. So it was like the Easy Bake Oven, but you could make these like oh. plasticky bugs. Yes. Do you remember? Okay. Yes. So there were some that also were like glow in the dark. So you would like charge them in the light, and then you would like take them into the dark, and they would glow. And so I probably fourth grade, like maybe too old to like have messed up this bad. I was trying to charge it before I went to bed because I was like really into it. So I put it underneath a lamp in my room and then I was like, I don't think that's going to do it because I was about to go take a bath and, and you know, really wanted an to- afternoon bath. <laughs> no, evening bath. But yes, had great ideas in the bathtub, not great ideas before this. So I was like, I want to, I want to charge it faster. So I, I laid it on top of the light bulb <laughs> and to As your point of like smoke <laughs> melting black plastic that like I can smell that like toxic fume smell and my parents were like what did you do like why why would you do that like I don't know I wanted it to be wanted it to be glow in the dark faster it's like well it's on fire now so it's It's not gonna glow in the dark anymore it's it's literally melted black plastic Uh, I remember one time I was making chocolate chip cookies during Hurricane Bob. Talk about a wind day. I was not happy. Yeah. And (laughs) (laughs) you've really done it this time. Yeah. 
God damn it. Um, and so I'm making cookies. My parents and my sister are all in the living room. I'm in the kitchen and it was one of those hand or no, it was a stationary mixer. Mm. And it's on and my hair is long. My hair's always been long. No. And so I kind of like lean Oh no. And it like winds my oh, hair. Oh my, my head, god. Like, That's horrifying though. Cause I feel like you could get your scalp could be really injured. You'll get like scalped. No, it was it's oh. not that. So like it can't really do like my hair kind of slowed it down, you know. Yeah. And I'm like screaming bloody. <laughs> One time my sister and I were in the car in the parking lot where my dad works. So my mom was like, went to get him or something. And that's back in the days when you left your kids in the car and it was fine. Yeah. And her and I decided to play and we end up taking the clutch out and it, the car starts rolling backwards. We're like screaming. Again, didn't Again, jump that. out of the car and scream. <laughs> yeah. No, we just stayed in the car and let it roll because, like, that makes sense. I'm just saying a lot has happened in our lives. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's amazing. It's a miracle that we're still here. You know? I, yeah. And you know what? All of this banter and storytelling is instigating our creativity, and we don't even know it. And so thank God we went off topic. Thank God. Bumping around. I feel like now I have this like creepy crawler memory in my head. I have this like, I don't know. If that's the fun, again, fun play. Maybe there'll be meaning out of this. Maybe there won't be. Maybe there'll be meaning in three years that comes out of this conversation. But we're not going to tie it in a bow because we want you to remember us forever. (laughs) Margaret's going to be living in your brain. Margaret's going to be looking to see if you yawn. Oh, let's see if you. <laughs> Here's what's coming up next on Don't Say Content. This job market is starting to look familiar in a way to me. Not in a good way. <laughs> Not in a good way. Well, I think it's good in terms of getting talent to be talented again mm-hmm. and normalizing salaries a little bit more and increasing productivity. But that's not, we've already talked about that. Yeah. What's interesting to see is people have to try to get jobs again and they are struggling. And particularly in the marketing category, I, I feel it is challenging because you are bridging this gap between creative production and measurement. Okay, y'all, that's a wrap. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll be back next week. And just remember, you're doing great. You're doing great. 30% of you are doing great. The rest, you got to get your shit together. Come on. You know, you know which side you're on this week. You know. (laughs) You know. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Everyone's allowed. No boys allowed. Just kidding. Everyone's allowed. I love boys. (laughs) Should we talk about that today? Oh.